things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Kira Revan, and this, this is the Sunday 7. On today's episode of the Sunday 7, we do a deep dive on the tragic story of the Titan submarine. We find out why flavourless peas could be a game changer. Get up to speed on the power of a nap, catch up on Nintendo's new announcements with tech guru Will Guide, and we hear about the stone swans of Slovakia. That's all still to come on the Sunday 7 on the day that in 1924 saw a tuberculosis vaccine first developed by Professor Albert Calumet and Alphonse Guerin. The last seven days have seen the world's media consumed by the tragic story of the Titan submarine. The small submersible with five passengers on board lost communication last Sunday morning and the week saw a large-scale search and rescue operation mounted by the US Coast Guard. The passengers only had about 90 hours of air when the vessel disappeared, so by Thursday afternoon there really wasn't much hope for a successful rescue. The debris is consistent with the catastrophic loss of the pressure chamber. On behalf of the United States Coast Guard and the entire Unified Command, I offer my deepest condolences to the families. Explorer and host of the Discovery Channel's expedition unknown Joshua Gates explained to Sky News the number of things that could have gone wrong, but that fact that communication ceased was a real concern in itself. It was well off the bottom when that communication was lost, and so using those multiple redundancies of weight drop systems, Titan should have returned to the surface, right? And so the fact that that hasn't happened opens up this whole other question of what are these other possibilities. Certainly one of those possibilities is a hull failure. Um, that kind of speaks to the carbon fiber design of, of Titan and also a concern in all submersibles, electrical fires, computer failure, things like that. Robert Blasiak is a researcher at the Stockholm Resilience Centre and he specialises in the study of the ocean. He says the tragic part is that the five explorers really didn't need to take the risk of getting into the Titan at all. As an ocean scientist, I'm more familiar with the vehicles that are operated by research agencies and by groups like the Schmidt Ocean Institute that are, are really geared towards having consistent and constant contact with the people people on, on the surface. So at the Schmidt Ocean Institute, for instance, they live stream all of their uh, deep sea a submersible camera feed so you can be sitting on your sofa at home and watching exploration unfold. Uh, just last month new hydrothermal vent ecosystems were discovered in the Atlantic and if you were tuned in to that YouTube channel you could be exploring it and discovering it in real time together with the world's leading deep sea ecologists and that, that's a very exciting thing. That being said I also if I take off my scientist hat and just put on my kind of normal person hat I understand the urge to actually be in a vehicle and go down and look for yourself. There are some very positive impulses there, I think, like a fascination with the unknown, a fascination with this deep sea ecosystem, a fascination with history. These are all positive elements, but that also has to be done responsibly. As vegan and vegetarian meal options become more common, have you ever thought about what the protein in your meatless meal is? Some of it is soya, some like corn is derived from a protein called by a mushroom-like fungus, but did you know that the humble pea is a good source of protein? Soya is problematic because the beans tend to be imported from South America and can have an impact on rainforests, whereas the humble pea can be grown right here. The biggest issue is the pea flavour, so let's meet Professor Claire Dominey of the John Ein Centre in Norwich, who's been working on getting the flavour gene out of peas. We've known about the flavour gene for a few decades, but why is it important to make flavourless peas? 
Well, it's because um, I guess the world has changed. Um, there's a huge demand now for protein, plant protein, uh, to replace uh, meat. And pea protein um, ticks many boxes, really. It's got high nutritional value. We've got um, high digestibility protein. We've managed to make that protein even more digestible. So there's a great demand by the food industry to really incorporate this into a wide range of foods. However, at the moment, um, the amounts that they can add are fairly limited, and the reason for that is because of pea flavor. So um, not everyone wants their foods to taste of peas all the time. There's nothing wrong with the taste of peas if you're eating peas, but if you're eating, uh, for example, a veggie-based burger, um, you might not want it to taste of peas. Is soya no longer a viable option? Um, the issue about soya is really, I think, that people are very anxious to reduce their dependency on soya. Much of that is associated with poor environmental uh, considerations. So, for example, destruction of rainforests and so on and other ecologically sensitive uh, habitats. You were among the team that made the breakthrough on flavourless peas. Where are we at on it now? Well, we identified that variant, yes, uh, you're correct, uh, back in the 90s. Um, and uh, the thinking at the time was that this would be of great value to the vegetable pea industry. It could increase the amount of time between when they harvested the peas in the fields and they froze them. So it could reduce the rush, if you like, on, on getting from the field to the factory. However, when that variant, uh, the so-called flavorless uh, variant, went into a breeding program, uh, the breeders told us some years later, that actually what they bred was a totally flavourless vegetable. And of course, that's what the food industry wants now, is a completely flavourless protein uh, source or a, a completely flavourless flour. How long before we see the results of this in the supermarkets? So, yeah, so the, the programme uh, which we've just kick-started is actually aimed at improving the digestibility of protein so that we get better value from the amino acids in our diet. So we're talking about adding four different variants into a breeding program. Now we've already made a good head start on that so the breeders are really confident that within, it will still take a few years because even no matter how quickly you breed a new variety you've got to multiply up that seed. So it'll be yeah, a few years so probably we estimate around five uh, before we can really uh, see this coming to fruition. Still to come on the Sunday 7, Nintendo springs a surprise and there's good news about a little booze. Peat bogs are a limited resource. In the UK, they make up about 10% of the land mass, but they are pretty effective carbon sinks, storing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, which can help to reduce global temperatures. Now, a new project at Hatfield Moor in the UK is attempting to provide detailed mapping of the peat bog and an assessment of how effective it might be when it comes to reducing carbon levels in the atmosphere. Professor Fred Worrell, an environmental chemist at the University of Durham, says the balance of managing peat bogs is critical. The great thing about peat bogs is that peat bogs are a big store of carbon but if they're badly managed they're a source of carbon to the atmosphere and if they're well managed they're a sink of carbon from the atmosphere so what we want to do is we want to effectively work out what condition they're in and make sure that we can put them into the sink category uk national mapping agency the ordnance survey is building detailed maps to get a clearer picture of the current state of the peat bogs donna lindsay is the head of environment and sustainability for the ordnance survey and she says they're bringing all kinds of tech to bear on the project in terms of the data we're collecting we're collecting everything from right down on the land 
you know, really, really detailed stuff, all the way through the, the data that we collect as a national mapping agency, so the mapping information, to um, aerial imagery, to hyperspectral data, which is stuff you can see way, way beyond our, what we see as, as humans. One of the issues that can hold back green investment is lack of data, so the peat mapping project is partly designed to provide better and more transparent information about the peat bog environment. Donna Lindsay says she's hopeful better information can speed investment. We need them to invest in nature. We need billions of pounds worth of money invested in nature in the UK alone. Um, but actually, there's a trust issue. So how do we make sure that this, this is all transparent to someone who knows nothing about how you measure ecology or habitat or any of that sort of stuff like that? Actually give them what they need to know and have confidence that their investment is actually delivering the carbon credits they need. Each week on the Sunday 7, we catch up on the week's biggest tech story with our resident Sunday 7 tech guru, Will Guyatt. This week, Will has been keeping a close eye on Nintendo, who held their Nintendo Direct event on Wednesday and managed to surprise everyone with a brand new game and a few rebooted classics for their Switch platform. So, what's going on? They've taken everybody by surprise. There's a new Super Mario Bros. game coming, which nobody knew anything about. It's a new 2D game. It's called Super Mario Bros. Wonder. It's out globally on October the 20th. And um, it's a bit of a new art style for Mario. It's still cartoony, still the same old voice, still a platform game, but it looks slightly different. And everybody's been taken slightly by surprise. It's not just about mushrooms and growing bigger, etc. these days. There's something called a Wonder Flower. And apparently the Wonder Flower changes the world. I'm not quite sure what that actually means yet. Switches really are hugely popular, aren't they? Yeah, there's 125 million or more of them sold now. And what actually appears to be happening, which I'm finding quite interesting, is loads of the older games from like the PlayStation 3 and um, games you never thought would make it to a Nintendo console are turning up. So uh, today they announced the Metal Gear Solid collection as well. The first three Metal Gear Solid games in one collection. And then you've got Batman Arkham Trilogy. So the Arkham games were classic games in the sort of early PS, late PS3, early PS4 period. Uh, and they're coming to Nintendo consoles for the first time too. This is just another example of Nintendo basically bringing hits from admittedly five or six years ago from other places, but bringing really good, really playable handheld versions of these games. Is the Switch console getting a change? It's been rumoured for so long and I think we'll probably see a new handheld console from Nintendo next year. It would be suicide for them to literally walk away from the Switch. This is an absolute powerhouse for Nintendo now. Still to come on the Sunday 7, the science of napping and some stone swans in Slovakia. Right after this. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. We've all seen the research that suggests a moderate amount of drinking can help improve heart health, although it does also increase cancer risk. But until now, scientists haven't been able to work out why alcohol in moderation might have a positive health effect. A new study took a look in a different direction, the brain. And when they did brain scans of light to moderate drinkers, they discovered that those people had reduced stress responses and a lower likelihood of strokes or cardiac arrests. We caught up with one of the scientists behind the study, Associate Director of Nuclear Cardiology at Massachusetts General Hospital and the Assistant Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School, Michael Osborne. Is this good news for drinkers? They have free reign to get drunk all the time? No, I, I would temper that quite a bit. What our aim was in this study was to explore um, the impact of uh, potential therapies on uh, a pathway linking chronic stress to cardiovascular disease. And alcohol has been shown to reduce cardiovascular disease risk. However, the caveat is that that is in light to moderate quantities. Even though we see this benefit on cardiovascular disease, um, light to moderate alcohol still has risks that come with it. And most of the the greatest risk that we identified in this particular study was a, a much greater risk of the development of cancer. What do you consider to be light to moderate consumption? In this study, we used a range of 1 to 14 drinks per week. And that really, you know, the the key point there is no more than two per day. Um, However, you know, United States guidelines uh, typically recommend moderate alcohol for women is uh, up to seven drinks a week, whereas for men is up to 14. The granularity of the tool that we uh, had access to in this this large biobank cohort um, didn't allow us to decide distinguish between 7 and 14. So on the one hand, there's light to moderate alcohol consumption, but on the other, there's a higher risk of cancer. Correct. And, and I think what we, what we have to, um, you know, balance in this, that treating these regions of the brain may lead to beneficial effects on cardiovascular disease. However, we really need to find a therapy that is safer and less dangerous than alcohol. If lowering stress is key to cardiovascular health, I can see why alcohol was the first port to call, but I guess other options like THC or medication or more sleep or even just being kind could be the answer. (laughs) Yeah, so interventions that we have seen um, in our work that have benefited uh, these brain regions are, as you mentioned, stress reduction. It's also shown that exercise um, has beneficial changes on these brain regions. You're sort of um, at a point where it's you're balancing the risk versus benefit of all of these uh, of all of these interventions and the other potential strategy you know that's worth mentioning is 
you could bypass the brain, right? So for example, statins um, are a drug that many people take that um, attenuate uh, inflammation in the arteries. You know, in the future, could guidelines maybe recommend statins with the inclusion of chronic stress or stress conditions? What this opens the door for is it does show that some intervention can benefit this pathway, and we just need to find the right one. Napping, weirdly, is a hotly contested area of science, not just because of the lure of the sneaky afternoon snooze, but because there are two quite different schools of thought about the benefits of sleeping outside your normal nighttime pattern. A new study published this week in the journal Sleep Health suggests that daytime naps may help avoid brain shrinkage, particularly as we get older. Previous research has suggested longer naps can be an early symptom of Alzheimer's disease, so it's important to set that timer so you don't drift off for too long. A new study suggests regular daytime power naps or no more than 30 minutes can reduce brain shrinkage significantly, the equivalent to between three and six years difference in the brain ageing. Independent sleep expert Dr Neil Stanley spoke to Times Radio's Asma Amir about the benefits of a power nap. It's much better than having sort of a couple of cups of strong black coffee and trying to motor through the day because if you're sleepy, the brain won't sleep and a 20-minute power nap is like plugging you, your phone in when it's down on the red. Uh, and you get a big boost, and that boost can last three to four hours, whereas drinking caffeine, the benefit may only last 30 minutes if you do actually get a benefit. So a power nap is a great thing. Sleeping longer than about 30 minutes, you risk waking up in your deep restorative sleep, Mm -hmm. which means that you wake up feeling much worse after your nap than you did before you had your nap. So uh, that's when you think, well, why, why did I bother? So that's why we say, 20 minutes means that you don't use up your sleep need at night, so you don't affect your nocturnal sleep, whereas sleeping longer during the day would mean that you're going to get worse sleep or less sleep during the night. Swans are creatures that fascinate humans related to ducks and geese, but a separate and distinct subfamily. They famously mate for life, and in England at least, they're the property of the king. But in Slovakia, a bunch of swans have gotten themselves into real difficulties. It all started in a field near Komarno in southern Slovakia, which flooded and turned into a lake, which then dried out during a hot summer and instead became a poppy field. Hundreds of swans began eating the poppies, which have addictive properties. They're a natural source of opium which is an element in drugs including heroin, morphine and codeine. They are dehydrated. The swans lose muscle mass and then they just crawl on the ground. The poppies can be toxic for swans, which are also a protected species in Slovakia. That complicated the process of removing them, so it took four months to get them rescued from their opium den. The swans have now been taken to a remote location far from the poppy field where they're being given the chance to sober up. I guess you could say they've gone cold turkey. Local farmer Radovan Malchalka says they'll be better prepared next time. We assumed they would just fly away, but they didn't. It's a rare case in Slovakia, so we didn't have any experience. Hopefully we'll be smarter in the future. This has been the Sunday 7. However you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7 Ireland edition. Have a great rest of the weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Kira from the Smart 7 Ireland edition. Just to let you know, we're pausing this podcast from Friday the 25th of August, but you can still get up to speed in just seven minutes if you search the Smart 7 and catch up with our UK edition. Thanks for listening.